Hi, I'm Stephen Webb, host of Touring Heaven, your tour guide and traveling companion. And I'd like to invite you to come with me on a tour of heaven. We'll be on our way in a few moments in our etheric bodies to a retreat in heaven, concurrent with a bend on the Rhone River in rural Provence, a scenic area in the south of France. If you visited this area in our physical octave, you'd see that this is a beautiful part of the world. Artists in love with nature have been coming to the south of France for generations to capture the golden qualities of the sunlight, the vibrant colors, and the feeling of peace. It's the warmth, the abundance of beauty, and the rich changes in lighting at every hour of the day. These qualities of the light are easy to see and feel as you immerse yourself in the quest of the artist. So if the physical octave along the Rhone is already outstanding, how do we describe the beauty at the higher vibrating frequencies of heaven? Come with me in your etheric body and don't expect to be in any hurry at all. This is a place where you take your time to drink in the exquisite beauty at the heavenly level and be ready to be surprised. What you learn about yourself from heavenly beauty will become a permanent part of you. The retreat that we're going to visit in this etheric setting is called the Chateau de Liberté. The master of the retreat is a teacher of surprising power who, for the asking, is able to gently unfold the divine understanding of love. This divine understanding has dimensions that can gradually expand so that your foremost thought every day would become how to please God in the people you know. That's a different discernment from simply pleasing people. The key is to perpetually anticipate that God is alive and partially hidden in the people you meet. And of course, you pray for the gift of discernment of spirits to see that aspect of God. Now, before we leave for the Chateau de Liberté, I should tell you that the name of the hierarch there, our teacher, the one who will help us grow a new awareness of these dimensions and gifts, is Paul the Venetian. You likely haven't heard of him because many Ascended Masters are not yet household names in our world. My job is to guide you through the ceiling between our world and heaven, and for a few moments to introduce you to a Master who used to be a contemporary with us in our own history on earth. All the Masters, like us, have a divine plan and a study curriculum, but they've graduated from the schoolroom of earth just earlier than we will. And yes, now they're Ascended Masters and Immortals, but you can think of them also as our elder brothers and sisters. They're uniquely qualified to explain exactly what it takes to graduate from lifetimes of mortality to oneness with the Son of God. Hold that thought about oneness while I mention this quick note to listeners. If this is your first episode and you haven't heard the introduction for Touring Heaven, now might be a good time to skip back to it for an orientation so you have an understanding of how we get there. For a moment, let's remember the etheric retreats we've been to recently. When we visited El Moria, we were shown the power and the will of God to get things done with discipline, honor, determination, and integrity. Then, we were in the presence of ever-practical wisdom with Lanto. We understood that we have a soul major, a sense of purpose, a mission for this life, and something important to build. So, we combined the will to get things done with the understanding of what we need to do 
And why? Sounds like a plan. Not yet. In our world, there are plenty of accomplished people with the deliberate will and misdirected knowledge to build, say, a high-tech monopoly or central banking monopoly that could be used to control or manipulate populations, divide them into factions, so that people would be preoccupied and never have the peace to realize their innate divinity. What kind of mind would want to do that? These people exist in positions of worldly power. So the qualities of human will and human knowledge are not enough to create or sustain the universe. God so loved the world that he gave us the free will to realize our divinity, our choice. Jesus was the great example we were given so we could come to understand there is a way. This means the qualities of will and knowledge and understanding have to be governed or tempered by the same love God, the creator of all, has for us. Without our return love for God as our motive for co-creation, everything we would make would be brittle, out of balance, and not permanent. The figure-eight flow of love is the key to temper, will, and knowledge. Paul the Venetian is the exemplar of love in creation as drawn from God to govern our will and understanding. This is why he's qualified to teach us about the love that builds and sustains universes. To prove it, we've got to meet him. Now, as your tour companion, I'm thinking we should get going with our angels, and I'll explain a bit more when we get there. There's a fantastic balcony on the riverside of the chateau that I want to show you. Then, when we're invited into the Chateau de Liberté, one of the masters will begin showing us around the various levels and galleries and giving us a lot more background on Paul of Venetian's lives, hopefully before we meet him. But remember, expect the unexpected, meaning he could be in council or even on another continent. Now, our angels have been listening to this too. They're never far away. And if you look up, they're arriving now to escort us. Yes? Overseas, no passport or visas required. Even if you've never been to France, in your physical or etheric bodies, the angels know exactly where the Chateau de Liberté is, set in the gardens along what we call the Rhone River. This tour is going to be something new for you to contemplate, because it's about the highest creative part of you, aligning with an unfolding spiritual understanding of what you, your family, and your nation need most. Here they are. All right, hold on tight to your angel's arm, and we're up and on our way, heading to the south of France at the speed of thought and in the vibration of holiness. Our angels provide us with safe and rapid passage through and beyond the nightmare labyrinths of human dreams and lower thoughts. Oh, look, look, look down through the clouds. We're now in the bright, clean air of the etheric earth, banking high over what we would think of as southern France. Yet, as you recall, there are no separate nations in heaven. Hang on now as we turn. We're gliding now, wind in our hair. Below us is the Rhone River of heaven. Here it's early morning, banking again and descending down to just... A few feet above the river surface, we could almost clip the water with our fingertips. 
The sunlight reflecting off the water ahead immerses us with an uplifting feeling like flying into golden rays of joy. Not far ahead in the sun rays we see the trees along the riverbank giving way to lawns and gardens and the luminous multi-story Chateau de Liberté. Golden pennants flying from the tops of the towers. And on the riverside, there's a wide semicircular balcony on the third level. And that's where we rise up from the river, arc over the flowers on the marble balustrade, and land gently on the flagstones. We're here, the Chateau de Liberté. Looking around, it's clear now that the chateau is in the center of a beautiful campus. The view from the balcony over the lawns and the river is magnificent. But the best way to describe the feeling in our hearts is it's a lot like Kuan Yin's Temple of Mercy. That's because in heavenly terms, this is a retreat of the love of God for his creation. Even the air around the chateau seems to have a pink hue of love. It makes you feel one with everyone here and throughout the universe. And there are a lot of people here, mostly young, from all over the world. It's apparent that this is one of the universities of the spirit. There are hundreds of students sitting along the riverbank, strolling the paths, or sitting on the lawns in groups before the next class. We look around for our tour master, but no one comes forward to claim us, so we're more than content to cluster along the balustrade and look down on the scene. We're in no hurry at all. In such a beautiful atmosphere, now might be a good time to get in a few minutes of briefing before our tour does start. I'll understand if you get distracted by the people and the golden river below. You can ask questions later if you miss hearing anything. So while we're waiting, let me explain a bit more about Paul the Venetian himself. This Paul is not the same Paul as in the Bible. We'll meet him two tours from now. This Master Paul has the awesome assignment from God of showing us the standards of heaven through culture. We somehow find it easier to grasp new and higher ideas about our divine plan in the form of holy patterns, perceived by the soul faculties in fine art, beautiful music, sculpture, poetry, literature, myths, and moral stories. Conversely, in the more subversive ways of the world, those with a vested interest in preventing us from realizing our divine plan use inverted symbols and images that represent spectacular self-destruction. They expect that for everyone. You've seen their old darkness often enough in what we're told is the prevailing culture and must-see entertainment. They appear to have a virtual monopoly on everyone's attention, on cable and online. But not for you. Walk away from their assumptions about you. Declare your independence and go to the source of divine love. You have free will to see through their false prevailing culture and to choose life and light every day. There you're at one with the creator of cosmos, with family. You can visit the divine source every night in these universities, in your etheric body, for free. You can pray and meditate on holiness while you're awake, while you're working. Your focus would be on holy symbols, holy light, and holy colors. Which brings me back to Paul, the master of lighting and colors. Paul is known as the Venetian 
because in his last life in our world, he was a famous artist who developed his career in Venice, in Italy. In his final physical life, he was born in 1528 as Paolo Cagliari in Verona, Italy, and then did his apprenticeship in Venice. He was a master artist of the Renaissance by age 25 and made breakthrough innovations that set new standards of brilliance in color and lighting, grace and realism. He experimented with new colors and techniques that people had never seen before, always looking for more realistic ways to illustrate beauty. He got away from the dull browns and grays of his predecessors by placing his models in full sunlight. His figures were and are still graceful, in some cases nearly transparent, and in others stand out as real personalities in iridescent skin tones and clothing. The new colors that Paolo Veronese developed glistened on the canvas and included azure, coral, pearl, lilac, and lemon that startled and fascinated his patrons. Do an online image search for Paolo Veronese paintings, and you'll see he loved rich, bold colors combined with textures, lighting, and contrasts that got people's attention and their wonder. Ruby and velvet green, pink and emerald, aquamarine and violet. For the mid-1500s, this was unheard of. He was way out ahead of his peers. But the insight to the master went far beyond new colors, shades, and textures. He wanted to demonstrate the permanence of beauty through both art and science. Through trial and error, he discovered a technique of pigment preparation that preserves oil paint indefinitely. It still does. The colors you can see in his art online are just as radiant as the canvas originals are well over 400 years after he painted them. Compare the colors of the fading Sistine Chapel or Tiepolo's frescoes painted 200 years later with Paolo Veronese's canvases now. They're still bright. What was his secret? Integration. The art of extending the love of God's colors, or Paul's visualizations manifest as careful brushstrokes, combined with a proven chemical formula that protects pigments against ultraviolet damage. Art combined with science. Then there was his reverence for Jesus. Paolo Veronese saw beauty as the most powerful catalyst for enlightenment, and so he gave his figures of Jesus, the apostles, and saints lifelike expressions and emotions by associating them with easily identifiable places, things, and feelings. He put them within the reach of the common people of Europe in the mid-1500s. Far from the overly serious clerical view of Jesus at the time, Paul made his paintings of Jesus and the saints feel refreshing, bright, and joyful, even a little irreverent for orthodoxy. Paul understood the steps of initiation on the path of Christhood that Jesus made plain by his actions. These steps of initiation were the topics Paul chose for his paintings. When you get a chance tomorrow, take a look online at his vast painting, The Marriage at Cana, which is now in the Louvre. Many of his other great paintings are about important initiations in the incremental preparation for Christhood. He knew more 
and taught more through his art about mystical Christianity than most of the leading clerics of the time. His ministry was through fine art. How did Paolo Veronese come to be such a fearless innovator in color, style, beauty, and permanence at age 25? And how did he, later in life, successfully defend the artist's freedom of imagination against the church's inquisitors who tried him under suspicion of heresy for his artistic irreverences? Where did this bravery come from? The answers are ancient and seen in the Akashic records. Long before the final stage of the sinking of Atlantis, the soul of Paul served in the government of Atlantis in Kaiful as head of the cultural affairs, which was also a high spiritual office. How high an office? At that time, the Atlantean government wanted to build up a far-off colony in what is now Peru, to give the colony the necessary impetus of culture, beauty, and wealth. The soul of Paul was entrusted with the transfer and placement of a divine flame from a temple in Atlantis to a temple in the Andes, which then became the spiritual center of the earliest Incan civilization. He re-embodied later in the growing Incan civilization as an artist who used paints that didn't fade. His efforts in his spiritual, administrative, and artistic lives in the Andes provided a positive upward momentum of holiness and set high moral and cultural standards that helped the early Incan civilization to flourish. Thousands of years later, the soul of Paul worked closely as an esoteric architect with the soul of El Moria, the master mason of the pyramids of Giza in ancient Egypt. But the point of origin for these eons of lives of service on earth came much earlier. Like Lanto, Confucius, Gautama, and Jesus, Paul was one of the 144,000 volunteers who came on the rescue mission to save the evolutions of earth. He too stood outside Sanat Kamara's palace on etheric Venus, and he also cried out, We will go with you. We will not leave you. This is the Paul we're going to meet here inside the chateau. Over hundreds of thousands of years, he found and lived the way that Jesus demonstrated, which is service, surrender, sacrifice, and selflessness, customized through his own God-given gifts as a culture-shaping artist. He combines the will, the understanding, and the love to teach you how to present beauty in all forms of art and culture as the most effective instrument of divine change in our civilization. Would you be an artist, actor, photographer, singer, a documentary or film director or editor, a poet, novelist or screenwriter, a shaper of culture? This is your university of the spirit. And here's our introductory toolmaster one of Paul's students here at the Chateau. Everyone, gather round and we'll introduce ourselves. Our friendly tour guide turns out to have been a venerated acting coach in his final physical life in Paris and New York, mostly unknown to the media and public. He offers a few interesting comments as we stand on the balcony in the sunshine. I am very pleased to meet you, because whether you know it or not, you are the elect. You have elected to be here because... You sense your soul's future is here in heaven. Only a handful of my former students feel that and want that. 
Most of the actors I coached have never made it here in their etheric bodies. Most still remain distracted by career frustrations or various addictions. They have no idea that their prayers to God would be answered if they prayed to know God's will. Fame and contracts are their focus for career advancement, and yet they're actors. So they immerse themselves in the life lessons of other souls. The irony is, they won't accept free coaching for soul advancement as life lessons while their bodies sleep. The higher immersion is here. They take the very long road. To you, the elect, once again, welcome. Please, come inside to tour your chateau. We enter a long, carpeted foyer. Ornate stairways going up on either side and are then ushered through polished double doors to a broad hallway lit by chandeliers. On either side of the hallway, elegant galleries with curved walls and nooks display hundreds of examples of fine art. The luminous quality and realism of the paintings far eclipse worldly collections in value and impact by sheer beauty and simply because only the art that is acceptable to God could be displayed here. Our guiding master lets us gravitate to the works that interest us most, and only after a generous interval of meditation calls us together and says, It's time for me now to introduce you to the hierarch of the Chateau de Liberté, the ascended master, Paul the Venetian. As he steps to one side, Paul strides into the hallway and greets us warmly. Like El Moria, he's so instantly at ease with us, it's like he's known us forever. And also like El Moria, he's tall, six foot five, with intelligent blue eyes and a noble, disciplined bearing. He has short, wavy blonde hair, a trimmed reddish beard, and he's dressed in a tailored green sports coat and light-colored slacks. His demeanor? is project-oriented like a contemporary film director, but more balanced and confident and patient, dignified, good-humored, and radiating the gravitas of holiness. The thought jumps to mind that we would benefit greatly if we could borrow Paul the Venetian for a while to direct a few hundred films in our world. But he passed those tests in the physical long ago, and his work now is to coach us to change our culture for the better. We are the authority for our world. He's the coach, we're the players on the field. Paul invites us to accompany him along the hallway to galleries we hadn't seen earlier. As we gaze at the amazing array of art, the question comes up, do we know these artists? Paul pauses to consider the question. These gracious works are by students of the light from every nation, every religion. Beauty and the love of God in man are the common factors. And look at these early sketches from some names you might know. Da Vinci, Constable, Monet. Who are they now in your physical world? And Norman Rockwell studied here before and during that life, and he still comes here preparing for the next. Then Paul gestures for us to follow him along the hall, and as we walk he says, There's something in this next room you need to see. We enter a wide workshop area 
lit by sunlight coming in through large windows. Outside, there are views of fruit trees and gardens. Inside, there's a series of nooks separated by folding wooden partitions and floral baskets. In each nook is a golden easel with a large blank canvas resting on it. Paul speaks to each of us as if we already know which nook and canvas is ours. This is yours. You have a unique genius waiting to be expressed in the likeness of your celestial nature. You think you know your worldly self by opinions about your shortcomings, but your soul is made in the image and likeness of God. Understand your celestial self incrementally. Each time you visit here, you'll make a few changes to the sketch. You'll perceive an aspect of the Christ in you and add it to the canvas. It may be joy, it may be the comforter, it may be the fearless you, or all of these. What you see in your higher self, you may also see in others. There's no hurry about your work with this canvas at all. There's a moment of silence as we contemplate unknown higher parts of our nature that we're being asked to illustrate. We stare at the blank canvas. What if we make a mistake? What if we can't draw a straight line? Only portrait artists can do this, you know. As we look around to Paul to express our hesitation, we realize he's no longer in the studio. We also realize that the nook is actually private enough so that no one can see the first faint pencil line we draw, and then erase, and draw again, and then step back to think about. Who knows how time passes in heaven when you're staring at hints of your higher self in your mind's eye, standing thoughtfully in front of a few stray lines on a mostly blank canvas. After a long while, the moment seems to unfold gently with the sound of a calm, friendly voice. It's Paul calling us to follow him out into the broad hallway where we head to a different part of the chateau. He talks as we walk. I'd like you to keep coming back to the sketch you're starting to realize. I am able in the Holy Spirit to be in an unlimited number of personal discussions with each of you at the same time about the qualities you're starting to see. These divine qualities are the future you. And while that process is unfolding over time, I have another venue you should know about. And just like that, while we're walking and listening to him, the soft carpeted hallway we're in fills with a bright light. And we're in a tunnel, a long, dazzling tube of light, like when we arrived in the high country of the western Shambhala in Montana. Blue and white blurs of light around us coalesce into angel forms, holding us as we come out of the tunnel and into mid-air, a thousand feet or so over lush green coastal land. And just as before when we didn't know where we were over etheric Montana, looking down now, we have no idea where we are. We spiral in with our angels over what appears to be a huge gold and white temple complex next to the ocean far bigger than the campus around the chateau we just left. This is clearly an important place in heaven, with boulevards and many tree-lined streets, gardens, libraries and grottos spread all around the central temple. And by the looks of it, 
Many souls must live here between lives, probably studying and preparing for their next life in our world. The spiral flight pattern gives us a long look at the boulevards, the central temple and concentric rings that must be lesser temples and shrines. When our angels bring us gradually down to a soft landing on a lawn near the largest temple, Paul is right there to answer our wide-eyed surprise. He says, You may not recognize where we are because the topography in heaven is different from what you would know in your world as New York City. We are now on what you would call Liberty Island. In the etheric, there's no harbor around us. The Hudson River has a different entrance to the ocean, and here, New York Harbor is raised land. That rise to the west is what you know as New Jersey. The villas and woodlands to our north, you would call Manhattan and the Hudson Valley. In heaven, Liberty, Manhattan, and parts of New Jersey are joined. This city is known in heaven as the Temple of the Sun. Without Manhattan's skyscrapers and the wide Hudson, we still don't recognize the location as New York. But this city is awesome in its own right, and it's infinitely more beautiful. There's no rectangular street grid, project housing, or gray tones in the skyline. Here, as we saw spiraling in, all the temples and villas are in gardens, arranged on concentric boulevards and tree-lined avenues around the central temple on higher ground where Liberty Island would be. A small group of golden-robed brothers and sisters approach from the central temple and greet Paul. We are introduced, and Paul invites them to walk with us on a marble path up through the gardens to the temple. He continues his explanation about the Temple of the Sun. I teach here more often than at the Chateau de Liberté, because the tide of the people of light coming here in their etheric bodies is far greater than the tide in France. They come here from Europe, they come from Asia, every continent, because there's more freedom to innovate and to create in this land. And because there's someone very dear to me here, my teacher, who I think of as my spiritual mother. The beauty of the gardens and the trees, the bluebirds and the constantly changing fragrances of the flowers waft around us as we follow the path up toward the gold Dome temple. And Paul continues while we walk. Thousands of years ago, during my lives as an Atlantean, I was adopted, so to speak, by an ascended lady master who sharpened my awareness of the long path to Christhood and helped me pass many tests, especially in the Andes. This temple of the sun existed in your physical world 12,000 years ago, as did the Chateau de Liberté. Wars of corrupt priests brought about the final sinking of Atlantis. Before the deluge, though, while Noah and his family were building the ark, my teacher took the flame of God from the physical temple on this site to safety in the Chateau de Liberté. The physical temple was destroyed by the tsunami, which changed all the land around it. Only the etheric temple has existed since then. Over the centuries, my teacher, my mother in God, assisted me lifetime after lifetime to such a degree that I was able to pay off all my karmic debts and complete my divine plan in the physical world in my last life as Paolo Veronese. By the grace of God, I won my immortality 
and went right back to serving humanity again, by invitation, at the Chateau de Liberté. Now, by invitation, I teach here as well. For a moment, Paul pauses and looks up the long flights of stairs to the great shining doors of the main temple. And there, robed in gold, a majestic and noble lady master with a radiant yellow-gold aura stands with her arms outstretched. Paul leaves us and goes ahead to the top of the stairs to greet her, and after a few moments he motions for us to come up the stairs to be introduced. We're close enough now to see the golden light rays emanating in all directions from the Lady Master's aura, and, as if in the presence of royalty, we wonder if we're ready for this. It seems we should wait another thousand years or so, or kneel where we are at the foot of the stairs. And yet, though we hesitate in humility, there's something familiar about her, like an authority in whose presence we've appeared more than once. We obediently ascend the flights of marble and approach the lady, who continues to radiate rays of golden light. Paul addresses her as mother and introduces us. My students, I am sure you have met my mother before on several occasions. At the end of each life in your soul awareness, you would remember her as the leader of the karmic board of spiritual overseers who review with you the life you had recently concluded. And in your conscious awareness, in your physical world, you would know of the Statue of Liberty in New York Harbor, the purpose of the Lamp, and the Book of the Law she holds. The presence of the Divine Mother stands before you. We kneel and bow our heads, but the lady is not as formal as we expect. She addresses us calmly. Rise. I've seen each of you before under less auspicious circumstances. Today there is reason for celebration, as you are here for merit in the light. I will see you again, now and then, and certainly before the conclusion of this life. I ask you to remember your vow. We're surprised when she bows to us and then in a moment is out of sight inside the temple. Paul seems pleased with us and walks us down to the wide path at the foot of the stairs. Under a flowering peach tree, he gathers us together and speaks thoughtfully to us. Each of you heard the plea. I ask you to remember your vow. What did you vow to complete in this life? Your vow is what we will study in your next visit, here or in the Chateau de Liberté. When you understand what you promised God and why, you will be able to complete the drawing of your higher self. Your face will show the victory already won. Perhaps the look on our faces is still a bit wide-eyed at our realization that there's more to the statue in New York Harbor than the outward appearance. Paul seems to appreciate that we've taken in a lot more new information than our conscious mind could handle when the alarm goes off in an hour or so on another workday morning. All this we will retain as etheric memory, intuition. He glances up and announces that our angels are arriving and that he looks forward to one-on-one -on -one time with us 
in our nook at the chateau. It's reassuring to have something to look forward to beyond our work days. And then the words of liberty come across the mind again. Reason for celebration, as you are here for merit in the light. We must have done something right in our world to deserve a friend in heaven like Paul the Venetian and the kind regard of the living liberty represented by the statue. Thinking about everything we've seen as something to celebrate, we hold on to the strong arm of our angels and in their holy auras, we're banking up over etheric New York and heading back home to our sleeping bodies. A thought before you relax and hit that pillow. Note that your nighttime calendar is filling up with classes. And there's a little homework. If you need the reference book, The Masters and Their Retreats, it's available on ascendedmasterspiritualretreats.com. And if you want to research Paolo Veronese, enter Paolo Veronese Paintings in any online search engine. And look for the wedding at Cana. Next trip, we're going to Egypt on the Nile River, south of the pyramids. We'll be visiting the Ascension Temple and retreat at Luxor for an introduction to a concept you think only applies to saints. If Paul the Venetian could get used to immortality, you might at least consider it's gifted by the grace of God and eventually meant for everyone of proven merit in the light. And then, as you wind down from this amazing tour, think of that sketch of the higher you, the Christ in you, shining through the drawing, your face already showing the victory won, and realize why the Masters ask us to affirm with love. Always victory.